Welcome to Evolve, reinventing leadership, building freedom cultures, with CEO and award-winning author, Yvette Bethel. This podcast is dedicated to providing leaders with solutions to build trust, inspire authentic transformation, and improve engagement. Learn about new and tested ways you can revitalize your culture, empower people, and transform your results. This is Yvette Bethel, and I'm excited to welcome you to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Evolve challenges traditional leadership paradigms and explores modern leadership models, providing ideas you can use to transform your culture. We focus on leadership through the lens of interconnectivity, flow, and balance exploring ideas that translate into practical applications for contemporary organizational challenges. Our topic for this episode of Evolve is Community Accelerators, a way to future-proof our communities. And to explore this topic with us is executive leadership and organizational coach and founder of Elon Consulting, Bryn Jones. I hope I said it right, uh, Bryn. Elon? Ah. Bryn helps people lead with intention, wisdom, and heart so they can build momentum for the changes in their lives, organizations, and communities. And in doing so, she draws on the background, her backgrounds in social justice and conservation work and education in law and policy professional training, and certification in coaching and facilitation. Oh, that's a lot, uh, Bryn. (laughs) Uh, She has a long career as a leader in the nonprofit sector and from a desire to help build compassion. Oh, here we go. And from a desire to help build compassionate, healthy, and resilient communities. She's also a mother of two little boys who have given her the incentive to live up to the person they believe her to be. Hello, Bryn, and welcome to Evolve. Thank you so much, Yvette. I'm excited to be here with you. (laughs) Yeah, this is, uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. I'm very interested in communities. Uh, So Bryn, you have quite an interesting background with corporate and community work. And I'm really curious about what started you on this path of nonprofit and community work? Yeah, um, it's a it's a multifaceted path for sure, Yvette. Um, <laughs> um, gosh, you know, I I I think I, I'm kind of a wanderer by nature, um, so I've I've tried out a lot of different things. Um, and oh, it's hard to it's hard to answer your question honestly because so everything I've done has has led to this moment, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and really picking out the thing that brought me here is is kind of impossible. Um, so I think uh, for purposes of our conversation, I'll share um, part of my my education, my legal education, really brought me here. Um, I, had, I had been involved in a lot of grassroots activist work on social justice issues, indigenous rights, um, civil, civil and human rights along the US-Mexico border. 
before I went to law school. And it was interesting. I found myself going to law school, and this is decades ago now. Um, I, I found myself going to law school at a time where I was really actually burnt out on adversarial work. I was, I was really tired of seeing things in black and white, and it has to be that way, or it has to be that way. And and, and that's a really interesting time to go to law school, which is very adversarial based, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so while I was in law school, I really um, became attracted to things like mediation and peacemaking and therapeutic jurisprudence, um, restorative justice, more of um, the things that, that looked at a justice system or a legal system as, as ways to build community rather than tear it down. Um, and, and through all of that too was, was this thread of really um, people's voice, like really involving and elevating people's voices in processes for decisions that, that affected them directly. Um, so coming out of law school, I, I um, I went straight into policy work um, because that's that's that was familiar to me. But over the years since then, you know, again, that was a couple decades ago. It, it's been sort of a refining of where can I really offer my gifts the most to to help build leadership for strong communities. Um, yeah. Oh, I think that's the best answer I can give you on that right that, now. That's actually a very interesting answer. Uh, I loved uh, what you just said about le- using legal systems to build communities. I know most times people don't think of the system uh, from that perspective. So it's very interesting that you said that. And you said something that I'd never heard about before, therapeutic jurisprudence. I, that doesn't exist in my country. Could you say a little bit more about it? Um, well, so I, I will say this with a caveat that I, I am not a practicing attorney. So my, you know, my interactions with the legal system, um, are dated. Um, with that, if there, the, the classes I took around therapeutic jurisprudence were really about using the legal tools that we have, like, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of laws around process, you know, how decisions get made. Um, and, and using those processes as in, in sync with things like community organizing um, that communities could use to really engage in processes to really guide and, and have real influence over decisions that, that were getting made in, in communities. I also think of it in in connection to restorative justice um, as a way to to use the systems and tools that we've got to actually heal community. You know, I think of things like truth and reconciliation processes or um, um, Oh, the word's escaping me right now, but but processes that restorative justice justice processes that bring victims victor victim offender mediation is what I was trying to think of. You know that that bring parties that have harmed together with parties that have been harmed, and to figure out 
how to heal from that mm-hmm. versus just having someone say, you know, that's wrong. Here's the punishment. Let's move on. Very interesting. Very interesting. I, I'm sure we may have that in, in my country now that you talk about processes. But uh, I'm going to segue or kind of transition into uh, community leadership accelerators. And you created one, it looks like. And we're going to talk a bit about it. But before we do if get into it, can you share with our audience Exactly what is a community leadership accelerator? Um, yeah, and, and first I will say I co-created it. Um, I am okay. a partner in this. My name is Sarah Griffiths, so I want to make sure to acknowledge her as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we, we did create this, and, and there may be others out there. I don't know. Um, for us, um, there are – so – both of us were having some conversations years ago in Arizona, where, where we both lived and worked. Um, and we were, we were having lots of conversations with CEOs and executive directors of nonprofit organizations. And we kept hearing this theme of, there's gonna be this gap in leadership soon because the leaders are older, we're gonna retire and there's no one to fill our spots. So, so we both kept hearing this from looking around well, I don't see anything to fill the, fill this gap. So maybe we should think about it. That was kind of, that was the impetus to, to create this program. And then as we, as we started doing more research and, and talking more to emerging leaders, sort of the, the potential future CEOs and, and executive directors, um, we kept hearing over and over, well, you know, we are here, we're ready to lead, and we just don't want to do it the way that it's always been done. Um, so I think, you know, for us, that's been a, a continuing theme throughout the program is looking at how it's always been done and, and where we can, can get in and make some change. Um, you know, there's, there are lots of community leadership programs out there. Um, and they tend to, from, from what we've seen, they tend to be very place-based and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. We work with place-based organizations as well. Um, but they're, they're building connections and knowledge of, of those places and the systems there. So, you know, they, they, they get into connecting people with policies and influencers and, and it's a lot about building knowledge of a community and connections to influencers and community. What we were seeing as, as lacking out there was really building side of, of emerging leaders to have presence and capacity to, to, you know, work with complexities and, um, you know, get into the really challenging aspects of being human and being in messy times and, and the messiness of being human. So, so we focus much more sort of on, on building those, those psychosocial skills of community-based leaders. So from, from, you mentioned influencers and other leaders, but 
tell us a little bit more about who exactly are the leaders uh, within communities? And are there people that we don't typically think about as leaders? Well, so that's that's such an interesting question, Yvette, because there are <laughs> many definitions of leader out there, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's something that we get into in, in the accelerator and, and what does it mean to be a leader? Um, you know, we tend to our traditional notions of, of a leader or someone who kind of sticks out as having lots of influence and power. And um, that's not who we're typically working with. Uh-huh. Um, we're we're typ- typically working with people who are, you know, either they might be working for an organization that's working towards community change. Um, and, and, you know, maybe lower in the hierarchy, if it's got a traditional hierarchy in the organization, um, they might be volunteers in the community. A lot, mm-hmm. a lot of the people are, you know, they've, they've dedicated themselves to nonprofit work because they, they really care about making an impact in their communities. Um, some of them are, you know, come out of the communities they're working in and, and are motivated by making change because of their own experience in communities. Mm-hmm. Um, our concept of leadership, so we, we talk a lot about sharing power and sharing leadership and very much think of leadership as anyone who wants to step into it can step into it. And, and like there's some intention in stepping up and stepping back as, as needed. So it's more like, you know, that jazz ensemble than um, there's one main vocalist, you know, that's, that's a lot how we think about leadership. Uh, so you, you, your accelerator is open to formal leaders, but a lot of informal ones that may not have a role in a particular organization, but they may be interested in, in making a difference. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely people we, we ask very explicitly about, um, you know, leadership experience. And, and again, we have very sort of broad understanding of what leadership experience is. But we also, you know, we really want people who are willing to step deeper into developing their leadership and, and have bigger roles in their organizations or communities. Um, and it's really interesting. We tend to attract a lot of people who, who have negative notions of leadership because they've, they've experienced leaders as, as people who um, sort of um, hoard power. Right. Yeah. Um, and so they come into it like, I, I want to do more in my community, but I don't uh, necessarily want to call myself a leader. And that is really interesting to me. Oh, so there's this uh, opposite effect happening where people view leadership as something to shy away from, but yet they probably end up leading. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. not in a formal role. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or really wanting to, I mean, we, we do hear so much that, especially with younger leaders that we work with, we, we hear so much that we just don't want to do it the way it's always been done. So there's, there's a desire to have some influence over how things get shaped without the traditional notions of leadership connected to it. 
I know that there's no perfect community, but certainly uh, there are communities that are more healthy than others. And what are some of the characteristics of those healthier communities? Well, I think to, to answer that first, we should say a little bit more about community, right? And what defines yeah. community. Sure. Um, sure. Because I, when we talk about community, there, I think there's a um, default thought concept of community is place-based, which is certainly certainly one type of community, you know, it's a neighborhood or city or county or state or, you know, um, and there's, there's many other types of communities too, whether they're, they're communities around some aspect of identity, um, racial, cultural, sexual orientation, you know, those would be some identity-based communities. Um, there's communities around profession, you know, like I, I tend to coach um, nonprofit CEOs and executive directors. That's a community within itself. So um, with that understanding, there's many different kinds of community. Um, your question was what, what makes a healthy one? Yeah. Which one's a healthy? Yeah. So, you know, when I, when I take in all the different kinds of community and, and my own <laughs> my own biases towards this question. Um, I, a very basic, simple, but not easy answer is, I think, you know, the, the ability to sit with messiness, to work with complexity, um, you know, having skills around inquiry and um, discomfort and, adaptability, like being able to, to, to see, to hear many voices, many different voices, and, and be able to take those voices and provide space for, for different voices, and be able to work with, with voices that are different from each other, and, and still see that um, there might, there's possibility that can come out of, out of those differences. Um, I think having trust, something you know a lot about. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite topic. <laughs> yes. Um, to, to create spaces for meaningful, meaningful participation. Um, that's a, that's a key indicator to me. Um, gosh, there's so many, so many different ways I could go with with that answer. That's what's coming up for me immediately. You described messiness. And uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. All communities, <laughs> even families, <laughs> you know, there's messiness. For sure. And uh, from your perspective, what are some of those challenges that create messiness now? And what do you think they will evolve into in the next five to 10 years? Hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot. <laughs> I mean, we're sitting in the midst of a pandemic. There's fun. <laughs> a global pandemic um, that, you know, certainly has surfaced that we're all in this boat together, and yet we're experiencing and sitting in very different parts of the boat. Um, so, you know, the, the pandemic 
climate change, civil unrest, um, sort of reckoning with, with generations and generations of systemic racism, um, all of those things create pressure that um, there's no easy fix to any of those. Those are big, huge global problems, multifaceted, very rooted. Um, so, I mean, that's certainly right now, at, at sort of the big picture level, those, those exist now. I think those are gonna continue to, to um, increase pressure on, on leaders for sure. Um, what about uh, migration? I, there's a lot of migration in out of uh, uh, different uh, countries from one country to the now. Obviously, that's going to impact communities as well. Uh, what has been your experience with that? Well, you know, living 60 miles north of the U.S.-Mexico border—that's that's a really uh, real thing here. Um, that's a big question, Bet. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you made me think of it. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, what it, it, what's happening? I mean, how? Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly deepening the 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 layers of the quilt. I, I, I'm going all metaphorical here, but yeah. you know, there's, I think it's, it's providing so much opportunity and possibility on one hand where if, if we, we opened to really valuing people who come to this country for, and, and I'm speaking obviously for the U S um, for what, why they're coming here, what they're bringing with them. If we look at them more as assets rather than uh, deficits, um, I think there's there's the potential for real richness there and some um, possibilities of, of thinking about things differently. Um, that's obviously not the current state of affairs um, and instead is having a real, um, I think, detrimental effect in in so many communities, um, physical security of, of families and, and and people. I mean, I'm thinking about the Haitian Haitian migrants who you know were being rounded up by horses recently um, here in the U.S. and and sent back to Haiti. Many many of the people hadn't even lived in. Haiti for decades and being sent back into, um, you know, just really challenging conditions. That's so, doing a lot of lot of um, destruction. But from a standpoint of uh, maintaining the culture, each community has its own culture, its own way of doing things. And as, as things morph, as, they, as more and more people, and, and it's not specific to the US, there are countries all over the world that are, are you know, you, they have migrants come in and uh, it kind of diffuses the culture. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's mixing the culture with other cultures. How does, uh, when you're building a community, 
How does that work? What is, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. I'm just interested in how it works and, and what are the pros and cons of it? Well, so I think I, I'm going to bring that, that down to the, to the level where, where I work in community. Um, and, and that is creating communities like the Community Leadership Accelerator, where you know you see and and bring to the surface those different those different identities um, see them appreciate them bring them into the those different perspectives and identities into whatever conversation is being had um, and 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 make it transparent that that there's a lot of difference here Mm-hmm. And there's there's some common ground, and what do we do with that? Like you know, yeah. o- opening up the space for that, so that so that those differences um, can contribute to our understandings of of whatever it is we're we're considering, um, and and not forcing them aside, not ignoring them, not pretending that they're they're not there, um, and just you know doing this oh well if we just focus only on the common commonalities then we'll be just fine it's really about inviting those differences in and allowing them to to be wholeheartedly there which i think is an ideal right like mm-hmm. yeah it is yeah <laughs> it is most it people is. are it's, afraid of of people who are different so yeah mystically yes but well and and you know all of that happens within systems and processes and cultures that where there's dominant cultures and, and marginalized. And so, I mean, all of that is happening at the, while we're trying to do that. And so I think it is an ideal to be able to show up wholeheartedly, but it's one worth working towards. Uh, you called it messy earlier. <laughs> it's messy. Yes, 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 yes. It's so messy. <laughs> so, from your, your perspective, then, uh, what about the future? Where is this headed? You, we talked about, you know, migration. We talked about other um, kinds of dynamics that are happening. Where is this all going? What, what do you think communities will be facing in five to ten years? Um, well, I, I, I really think it depends on the community you're talking about. Um, okay. I, I have to admit, it's kind of a hard question for me because I, you know, I'm kind of going through my mind, different communities that, that I work with or I'm aware of. Um, and I think as we see lots of things rapidly changing, and some things not so rapidly changing. And I know I'm talking really abstract right now, but yes. they're going to affect different <laughs> communities differently. Um, and so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm having a hard time giving an answer to that one. Yeah. So if you zoom out then and take a look at some of uh, the challenges that will happen across the board, you talked about the pandemic earlier. Uh, that'll probably be something that lasts another year or so. You know, across the board, what would some of the things be that they should consider? Well, you know, when I when I think about the leaders I work with and and the things that they struggle with on a on a day to day basis, 
I think that there needs to be, and, and this is part of what we're trying to do, honestly, there needs to be greater capacity for, you know, dealing with VUCA problems, the, the volatile, <laughs> uncertain, uh, it's not chaotic, what's this, the uh, complex, <laughs> we're talking about complexity, um, and ambiguous, like, there, there needs to be more capacity in leaders to really be able to look on a regular basis, look around and what's different, what's different, what's the same, what's different. And, and, and then be able to adapt as, you know, plan, act, reflect. Like that is, that's a basic skill that, that we teach leaders that, you know, to be able to look ahead in, in the right. So, I mean, even thinking five years ahead feels difficult to me, honestly. Um, five years ago, I would not have foreseen a global pandemic. Um, so, so being able to have that, like, okay, this might happen in the next few years. What's really likely to happen in the next couple of years? What's right in front of us? And how do we look at what's right in front of us plan for a future, then again, shortly, look at what's right in front of us, see how we need to adapt, see how, you know, what we're doing is working, what we're doing is not working. I, I think the, the adaptability and, and the, the skills to, to be in discomfort and again, inquiry, like just being able to, to stop and ask and look around on a regular basis at a very, you know, individual level, I think that's what it's it's going to take for leaders. And I'm not sure that's what you were really asking, <laughs> but that's no, what's that's really good. I'm, I'm quite open. But what, what about fundraising? I think uh, funds will be easier to get, harder to get. Like well, now, now you're getting into territory that I am not an expert in. Okay. 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 Um, yeah. So, so Let's, let's do uh, an as-if question. Think okay. about uh, 10 years in the future, and you're looking back till now. From your perspective in the future, what have communities uh, uh, become, and how did we get there? Mm. There's vastly different... <laughs> Choices there. <laughs> uh, Many different scenarios running through my through my mind. My hopes would be yeah. um, communities have they taken a hard look at the current reality and mm -hmm. what's on the horizon. And and I mean a hard look, <laughs> like reckoning with really what is, um, and and from that place, developed opportunities, choices that reach towards an ideal. You know, of of again, my hopes would be, and and I think the the pandemic. The pandemic and, I mean, the, the unrest we've seen in the U.S. over racial justice, for sure, 
have planted real seeds for what it could be to, to live more as humans with each other. Um, and so my hopes would be that those seeds have, have would, you know, grow into communities that, that are flourishing um, in that relationship with one another. That would be one hopeful scenario. Powerful, powerful. You know, in, in closing, I have a question for you. One last one. What's the best advice you can provide our listeners, especially ones who are interested in community leadership and getting involved? Um, hmm. I think the best advice that I could give would be come with an open mind. Um, I think really to effectively lead towards where we need to go takes people who can, can have a broad lens, who, who can not be fit, so fixed in this is right and this is wrong and instead Say this is this what might be this is what might be possible. Ah, a growth mindset. Pow yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> a powerful ending. With that, I'd love to thank you, Bren. Uh, I really enjoyed this interview, uh, because your insights will certainly help our audience to create or become healthy, and and. Uh, Really do meaningful work in, in the communities as leaders. Please share with us uh, a little bit about where you can be found on the internet, what's your URL and anywhere you would like them to go. Let us know. Sure. My website is Elan Consulting. E-L-A-N-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G dot O-R-G. Wonderful. So, Bryn, this and everyone else is listening. Bryn, thank you. Uh, we do appreciate you joining us once again. And this has been Yvette Bethel and Bryn Jones. And we thank you now for taking the time to join us and evolve reinventing leadership, building freedom cultures. Thanks for listening to Evolve Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Join our vibrant network of leaders who are challenging the leadership paradigm in an innovative learning and impact network. Check out our webpage at ifbnetwork.co to learn more about and join our exciting ecosystem of high-performing leaders.